You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat Podcast, where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to another edition of Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway. This is Al Malafrante coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, You know, as big of a sports fan as I am, I can safely say there's very few television series with a sports backdrop that really keeps me engaged. Uh, You know, there's been some decent ones over the years, but usually it's the documentaries or the actual feature films that I consider favorites in that genre. Uh, that all changed this spring. We were fortunate enough to get a new series on Disney Plus called Big Shot, uh, which you may remember our friend of the show, Jessalyn Gilsig, talked about last year right here on Break a Bat. Uh, the gist of it is John Samos playing a temperamental college basketball coach, rehabbing his image at an all-girls private high school and teaching them all sorts of winning and life lessons along the way while actually learning a few things about himself as well. Uh, tonight, we're lucky enough to welcome a cast member from the show who really caught my attention, and she's certainly no stranger to the performance world. In addition to playing the role of the ever-ambitious and drama-loving Harper on Big Shot, our guest tonight got her start in show business when she was all of three years old. Uh, when she broke in as a child star in The Young and the Restless, she's since appeared in a number of other mega house television programs spanning anything from The Bold and the Beautiful to How I Met Your Mother to Desperate Housewives. And going back to the mid-2000s, she earned three Young Artist Awards in the process for her work on The Young and the Restless. In recent years, she's also done quite a bit of voiceover work for Disney's Sophia the First and Spirit Riding Free on Netflix. And in addition to all of you know, in addition to all of her on-screen work, I think she's just such an awesome creative. For the folks at home that have been watching Big Shot, to go along with her acting work, she actually lent her songwriting talents to the show, as you'll hear five of her original songs showcased throughout the season. I'm so grateful she could join us tonight. So with that being said, I ask you all to please turn your attention to Home Plate. Just be on the marquee. Now batting Darcy Rose Burns. Darcy Rose, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. What an introduction. Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. And it looks like you have a pretty legit studio setup over there, which we always like to see. Yes, yes. I am I'm in my my booth, my whisper room. Her name is Hillary, Hillary the Booth, after remember when. But I call her sexy because she is my TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> now you're in California right now, right? I am, yeah. And how are things going out there? Pretty good. We're in the middle of a heat wave right now. So, you know normal i guess uh now, after all that odd. time you know on the set of big shot have you been going outside to shoot hoops or anything like that did the sports thing rub off on you at all you know i they had to teach me how to catch a ball on desperate housewives i am probably the most traditionally sports uninclined person you will ever meet uh i, I am a sports person in, in dance and, and swimming and stuff but as far as uh, like games like basketball and, and baseball and all those it's yeah keep me away from flying things it's probably the best <laughs> <laughs> now what was your initial reaction when you heard about big shot you know having the sports backdrop yeah. did it surprise you in any way that you know you were being called in uh, to audition uh no because of the the introduction of the character she was you know she was introduced as the the 
nosy journalist. So that seemed to fit for me. If I had been called in for the basketball, I would have been like, this is not going to happen. Nice to meet you. Have a wonderful day. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, bringing me in as the as the person, you know, trying to find the truth uh, seemed to seem to fit. And they, they thought so as well. Yeah, a little different from some of the other show's main characters. And, you know, you're also the show's resident theater kid, you know, and that lines up pretty well with your love of Broadway, right? It does. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I almost did Broadway. I was up for Broadway before Desperate Housewives, actually. I was up for um, Mary Poppins. They took me backstage and had me see the show and everything, showed me the line on the wall that you couldn't, you know, grow out of or else they would fire you on spot. So we went with Desperate instead. (laughs) I did, was that for Jane Banks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when they're the kid, they have the uh, height requirement for the kids, and no matter where you are on the contract, if you outgrow that height, you're gone. So it seemed like a safer bet to go with with Mary Poppins. Now, in hindsight, I'm extremely short, but we didn't know that at the time because it was right before the age where the women in my family have either a growth spurt or stay, you know, short for the rest of their lives. And we didn't want to take the risk. So <laughs> desperate. <laughs> That's an ugly side of show business, height discrimination. I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked out fine for me, so I'm okay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> How much fun was it for you to shoot Big Shot? Obviously all the episodes are now on Disney plus, And uh, mm-hmm. I was one of the folks that you know, was tuning in week after week before you you. could binge them all. So like, how how much fun was that for you? It was so much fun. You know, Harper as an actor, just, you know, baseline is such a fun character to get to dive into. She's, you know, on the surface, very funny and very mm, mean-ish. But, you know, there's a lot going on under the surface that you kind of see as the season goes on. So that's just as an actor right there. That's just like a a dream role. You really get to have fun, but dive into something really deep as well. You know, but then, and then you add in the songwriting and the performing and we shot 109, the, the songs that are in 109, we shot them like a play. We did a rehearsal. We staged the whole thing. The lighting was in the room. It wasn't, you know, post. Um, so we got to kind of literally do it in front of the entire cast and crew of, of Big Shot. So, you know, when you add all those things together, it was just, it was just a whirlwind of fun. Now, one of the big story yeah. arcs in the show for Harper is when she takes on the role of Beth McBeth, and I yes. love that. You know how that, that was the school's <laughs> musical? Yeah. Like, one of the funniest premises of a musical that yep. I've ever seen. I just mm-hmm. thought the way it was executed was absolutely brilliant, and you okay. had a lot to do with bringing it to life, you know, as far as composing the music goes. How'd you get yeah. the inspiration to write for that? Uh, you know, I have this weird circular relationship with the Scottish play. I, in December... Yeah, the December prior to being cast on Big Shot, um, I found out that I was going to be playing Harper on Valentine's Day, which was actually like two months after my co-star, Tisha Custodio, found out I was going to be playing Harper, which is funny in itself. Um, But in December, I had actually written a comedic gender-bent adaptation of the Scottish play, uh, like on my own, completely separate, called Juliet Hereafter. So then we're shooting, you know, 104 and... Dean Laurie says that there's going to be a musical and Harper might be in it. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I, you know, when he calls me and asks me to to write the musical and tells me what it is, I think I full on cackled in his ear. And I was like, yeah, I already wrote this. So let's do it. Uh, and of course, but, you know, Beth Macbeth is completely different from what I wrote. But having that research in my back pocket already, I was kind of already in that world. So it was it was a lot easier to dive back into it. I didn't have to 
go and, and, and reread and do all my research again. I had just kind of done it the year prior. But as far as the inspiration for the music, um, the, the first song I wrote for the show, for, for Beth Macbeth, not for Big Shot, um, was the Dagger song, which you see in the rehearsal, the audition scene. Um, and that was a tricky one because I, you know, they, they really gave me kind of carte blanche to do whatever I wanted with the music. They told me what the role of the song was, like what it had to accomplish. And so for the Dagger song, it was, it has to be, you know, end of act one, kind of, you know, defying gravity, big number for Harper. And then for Emma, Sophia Mitri Schloss, it has to be acoustic guitar and it has to also the lines have to reference her love for Lucas and stuff. And it had to do both those things. It had to be within the context of the Scottish play, but also, you know, their teenage love story. Uh, so I, I kind of knew that, that double entendre thing I had to work with. And I scoured Macbeth for a reference point for a, like that one line because I was looking for the, I, I didn't, they didn't tell me where in the play it had to be. It was just wherever you want to write, we'll write it around you. So I was trying to find something that even people who aren't very familiar with Shakespeare would recognize. And the first thing that came to my brain was the dagger scene. And one of the lines is, come, let me hold thee. I have thee not, and yet I see thee still. And at that point, Emma and Lucas were being, were forbidden to see each other. So it was kind of like, there's my key. And I just dove in from there. Uh, and that's, that was the inspiration for, I don't know if that's the inspiration, but that was the starting point for that song. Uh, and there's another version of that song that you hear in 109 with the witches underneath, which, um, which is actually finally the, the witches that we have recording the witches song, the double, double are not the same witches that you hear in the, the redo of the dagger song in 109 in the play, because that was me recording the demo for, this is this is what I think the witches should be singing for this part of the song. And this, so they have a, a reference track for when we hired the actual witches. Because at that point, the witches weren't in the show at all. I had just written Double Double on my own because I was bored and sent it in. They added that afterwards. <laughs> so I recorded the witches, you know, the double, double, toil and trouble, boom, for the end of the dagger song. And that's what they ended up using in the thing. So there's two different sets of witches in 109. And one of them is all four parts to me. And then one of them is the wonderful actors that we hired. Um, and fight for the crown. I don't remember. What was my inspiration for that? I knew I wanted it to be the ending battle. It originally was just called the battle. And it had to be, what I was told was it had to be the, you know, the battle of the philosophies of, not the battle of the philosophies, the battle was my idea, but the, you know, the contradictory opinions. Sophia, her character in the play versus Beth Macbeth and their, you know, differing philosophies as far as life and how that relates to you know as we see marvin so and i just knew i wanted a fugue it's only two people but i still call it a fugue no it that, that's a great word for it and i love the way you know it intertwined with you know marvin's story arc you know when uh sophia's looking out at him in the audience there yeah. I, that was just so so cool i absolutely love yeah. that yeah they it, really killed it with the with the lines in between they it was brilliant writing yeah, no, it, must, it, looked, it looked like just such like a fun cast to be a part of. And the creatives obviously were fantastic. Yes. Um, to my understanding, the the role you auditioned for originally was not Harper. There was like a different character that they kind of wanted you to play it. You're good. Uh, yes and no. 
I originally auditioned for the pilot back in, I think, early January or late December. I can't quite remember when the original audition was, but it was for another character, had a different name. Uh, It was more strictly just the foil of Marvin, just kind of getting in his way and annoying him, which is still what we see in 103. But that was like the only function of the character. And uh, when I auditioned originally, I remember the character had this... uh, catchphrase that she would do all the time so when I left the room I did the catchphrase and slammed the door behind me that was my exit and I was like all right we'll see what happens just because it was funny and I thought it was a fun exit and so then I get a call from my manager and she says okay so they wrote the character out of the show but if they ever bring the character back they say they'll pin you again and I kind of paused for a second and I went I was pinned and she said I didn't tell you that oh never mind bye and just hangs up and but sure enough, that's what happened. They brought they brought me back um, as Harper, and they, they told me this is pretty much the same character. This is who you originally auditioned for, and I I got it, and here we are. So, yeah, yeah, happy it worked <laughs> out the way it did. And like I said, me it was too. nice to have like a different flavor, you know, to uh, to the cast like that. It was really fun, especially with you know the way her story evolved. You know, starting out is that uh, ambitious journalist. Almost like kind of, you know, it's an all girls high school kind of mm-hmm. gossipy, I guess, in a way. But then, you know, <laughs> you know, I think that I think that the writers really did something pretty cool, you know, as far as, you know, the love story that evolved, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. you know, I mean, that's so great for young kids, you know, to see, custodia, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think that they were able to really do they, they made the character likable rather than, you mm-hmm. know, just like a power hungry or power driven <laughs> Uh, and, and overly ambitious high school yeah. girl, I guess, right? Yeah, I think that's that's you know a testament to their writing, and that and that is something that I was a, a, aware of. I think from the beginning, uh, y- like when we were shooting 103, Tisha Custodio and I just kind of hit it off like gangbusters, and it was pretty clear right away that there could be something here for the storyline if they chose to go in that direction. And you know, she she proposed to me the second day on film uh, on set, and. In, in front of Dean Laurie, and she's still miffed that he hasn't got us a wedding gift yet. So, you know, we were just kind of constantly joking and having fun like that. Uh, but that was something that I knew could be an issue. You know, that it was, why does Mouse like Harper? You know, because she, <laughs> especially at that point in 103, she was so seemingly power hungry and, you know, kind of borderline vicious, um, shark like. So that was the the driving force for me, for the inspiration, since we were talking about that before, for everything to me, was I knew that, you know, Mouse was such a sweet character and Harper was so, at that point, not, like, there would be maybe question marks in the, in the fans' minds of like, but why couldn't she find someone better? Why couldn't she find someone that's more on the same wavelength as her? And so my inspiration and my my driving force for everything to me was in Mouse telling Harper what she sees in her she's also telling the audience what she sees in her you know it's it's and it's all the trivial things like you write with your left hand drink with your right hand hum opera songs I don't recognize or understand every Monday at lunch uh, you get salad instead of french fries you don't always smile with your eyes boom you know that's the there's something deeper going on there um so both showing Harper that she sees her like maybe no one else does like sees what's going on underneath and also showing the the audience what exactly it is in Harper that she could 
fall for. Uh, and that was kind of the driving force of that song. And it was really fun to kind of dig into Harper's psyche through through Mouse's eyes. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're, they're, they're re- they've re- they really found the character in a great way. And obviously mm. you brought so much to the role. I'm, I'm almost Thank excited you. to see, first of all, I'm hoping against hope that there's a season two because it, it simply needs to happen. Now that, now that they're <laughs> in division two, hope I didn't give anything away there to my audience. But, um, that, you know, now that they, you know, there's such a fun story to follow here. I, I do have to ask you this though, because mm. you mentioned that you're not the biggest sports fan. To my understanding, <laughs> John Samos isn't the biggest sports fan either. Did you two Whoa. ever joke about that on set? Uh, not outwardly joke about that. I think, you know, I'm I'm usually of the mindset of not that there's anything to talk bad about sports because sports are awesome, but I don't have much in the way to, you know, impart as far as an opinion. So I'm not usually the person who's going to be like, I don't like that or I don't know about this. Uh, so we didn't really commiserate about anything, but it was it was very entertaining, you know, um, just watching the sports dialogue being handled when clearly half of us have no idea what's going on is it's very entertaining from from you know the inside's perspective yeah, yeah no I <laughs> like i said it just seems like such a cool culture you know through, you know with all of you and you know it's a, it's such a great ensemble show and there's different storylines that you can yeah, follow yeah. so i really i really want to see a season two I, i'm sure so do i we I'm all sure do yeah I'm, I'm an eternal so. optimist are you I try to be. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm, I'm, I see things as they are, but I try to hope for the best as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. That's <laughs> a good way to be. Now I have to ask you this. Yeah. I've, you've put up some really cool content on Instagram, you know, throughout oh. the whole pandemic. And it's cool uh, yes. to see that you've showcased your, your singing ability and your songwriting. Uh, oh, did yeah. I notice a wicked poster on your wall? Oh goodness. Um, yes, you did. Yes. Uh, I, I honestly, I forget that that's there sometimes cause it's been there for probably 15 years. Um, I have, uh, Glinda and Alphaba Barbies behind me in, in, in my, you know, bookshelf as well. And I have the necklaces and the, the shirts. Yeah. I'm a, I've seen Wicked probably 11 times. I think Glinda is like my, my ultimate dream role. Um, so yes, <laughs> you did see a Wicked poster signed actually as well. Oh by, oh, by who? Now, is it signed by your Glinda? Are you one of those fans? Like, oh, I, that's my Glinda, my Alphabet. Are you that level of oh, diehard fan? Um, I don't think I'm that level of diehard fan because I think every single person brings something different to the role. However, I would say that if we're being technical, I've mostly seen Wicked at the Pantages and when it had its run here. So that was Megan Hilty and Eden Espinosa for the most part, uh, which was delightful for me because I worked with Megan Hilty on Sophia the First. She came in um, as a guest star and she completely killed it. And I saw her at the Hamilton LA premiere at the Pantages. And I went up to her and I said, okay, just want to make it clear. I've worked with you. You were on Sophia the First. I'm Princess Amber. Cool. Now that I got that out of the way, I've seen you 11 times in Wicked. I love you. Can I have a photo with you? So <laughs> I kind of get the kind of get that part out of the way before I dive right into the creepy. Um, yeah, I was. Yeah, she's she's incredible. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I do hope that you eventually dabble in Broadway because I just feel like you have, you bring such energy to your performances. Oh, thank I you. I feel like you just like have the stamina that you could do the eight shows a week. Is it something you've ever thought about? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I started on theater. I When I was three, I did Annie. I was Sandy the first time. And then after that, I was uh, Molly the second run. And finally, Annie. I have Annie PTSD. I've done it so many times. I hear the, the music and I start cackling. 
Uh, if, if I have to sing tomorrow one more time, I'd probably just like, you know, have a breakdown. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up on, on theater. I, you know, my idea of a fun talent show was doing the entire green makeup and doing the entire number of Wizard and I suitcase and all. Like this, I am a theater nerd, nerd through and through. When Kristen Chenoweth followed me on Instagram, I cried. I literally cried. Um, and then posted about it and then had to check to see if she'd unfollowed me because I had posted about <laughs> her following me. <laughs> I was like, did I ruin it? <laughs> I think I ruined it. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. When people ask me what, you know, the the dream project would be, I, I often joke that it's the, you know, the the lead in the movie adaptation of the Broadway musical that I wrote and starred in. Like, that's about as specific <laughs> as I can be. Um, yeah, I'm, that's why I loved, you know, doing 109 because, you know, I'm a musical comedian as well and a musical improviser. I was on the musical improv team, Power Play, UCB, the Mess Hall team, um, Best of the Fest for, for Burbank Comedy Festival and stuff. So I I constantly, whenever I'm not on set or in the booth, I'm, I'm performing on stage. That's kind of my home base. And with the, you know, pandemic, I, that wasn't an option because there was you couldn't go anywhere that's why I did the quarantines that you were mentioning I wanted I, I wanted to get my my Broadway you know scratch that Broadway itch and in a way that wasn't just doing covers so I did the parodies but that was what was amazing about getting to do 109 because we did actually shoot it like a play and so we got to perform in front of the entire cast and crew and there was a moment you know when we finished the number but before this the sword fight that I, I was just ready to go into the next part and they started clapping and, and I had a, you know, in the back of my brain, I went, oh, right, hold for applause because it had been so long that it kind of was like, I didn't, it wasn't normal anymore. Uh, but it was a nice little reprieve from the COVID year getting to yeah. perform on a stage. I made oh, Sophia absolutely. take a bow. <laughs> she's like, if we're doing this, we're doing this. Come here. And she she killed it. So, you know. Yeah. Now, did you guys had started shooting right mm. before the pandemic and then immediately had to shut down? When did you actually finish production? Yeah. Uh, we took three calendar years to finish this show. Uh, started filming in 2019. And then 2020 got shut down in March of 2020. Started back up in, I think, August-ish. Got shut down a couple more times. <laughs> and wow. finished in 2021. So. Wow. Yeah. A three-year yeah, project for the longest season one ever. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow, I, I see. I, I didn't. I didn't even know that. Uh, you know, you had to deal with all those shutdowns that happened. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, you have plenty of friends in the business. That, that, that happened all the time, though, in 2020. But now it's yeah. actually kind of look forward. You know, hopefully, right? Oh, hopefully, yeah. Seriously, yeah. I, I, I feel you know guilty that some of it was a benefit that I didn't have to write all that music while I was filming, you know, I, I did end up doing some writing, um, in my trailer as well. Some, some rewrites like the witches song was supposed to be acapella. Originally I added piano to that and the overture I wrote in my trailer as well the same day. Uh, but for the most part, I got to do all of that stuff at basically like prep work before we went back, which was an unintended upside, which feels weird to say that there was any sort of upside, but, um, yeah, Disney, Disney really, you know, wanted to make sure they had their ducks in a row and it, when we came back so that we could have as, as little problems as possible when it's so new problems that we haven't had to face before. And now there's this whole new environment you have to be, you know, on top of and, you know, 
keep us safe. So it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I know you had done, you mentioned Sophia the first, which yeah. I, know, I guess is not, you know, part of the Disney junior mm-hmm. uh, collection there, but now with yeah. big shot is, do you feel like you're part of the Disney family? I feel like that's just like the pinnacle for any <laughs> performer. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I've been working for Disney probably for about 10 years now, you know, desperate housewives was ABC as well. So it, it just, it kind of doesn't feel any different. It just feels like coming home. You know, that's, that's where I've been working for uh, a long time. I was, I did the pilot of Sunny with a Chance when it was still called Sketchpad. That was probably when I was seven or eight. So it's, it's been quite a while that I've been in the yeah. Disney fold. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. I mean, in, in Disney plus is really just, that has been one of the greatest godsends mm-hmm. throughout this whole pandemic for me. Just, I mean, all the great content that they've yeah. big shot, obviously the Hamilton movie, even mm-hmm. going back to revisit Boy Meets World has been fun. All right. that stuff is just so, yeah. it's so great. And I'm so glad that you're such a big part of the, uh, you know, the, my latest favorite series. So uh, I'm really excited to see what's to come. You, you have to let me know that. Have there been any discussions of a second season? <laughs> um, you know, there's always discussions about stories and stuff. Dean Laurie is, is one of those writers who's already always thinking ahead, no matter what. Uh, I know that because I am one of those people too, and may or may not be occasionally pitching him unsolicited storylines that he's actually already thought of. Um, some of them, uh, not all, but some of them. And then I m- made my brain hurt because he said, I already thought of that. And I was like, what? Um, you know, but there's no official, you know, if we know anything about if we're going to get picked up or not, I, I know I'm sure there is ideas in place for if that were to happen, but as far as if that will happen or not, we don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I said, I'm going to keep my optimism and, uh, you know, Darcy Rose, you've accomplished quite a bit in your career, but I'm going to preface you. It gets a little bit tough right now on break a bat. I want you to put yourself <laughs> in the batter's box here. You okay. got a bat in your hand. You don't have to catch right. anything, oh, but okay. uh, you do have to swing away and give it your best crack. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, you're going to tell me the first thing that comes to mind. How does that All sound? right. That sounds perfect. All right. Let's, let's go. Do Ready. <laughs> Favorite New York City meal. Oh, goodness. Uh, a chicken marsala with gluten-free pasta from a little tiny um, Italian restaurant that I can't remember the name because I would always just walk there. And it was down a set of stairs. And then I'd watch the the um, soccer games, the football games in on the screen in the corner and just eat with my mom, like dinner at, for breakfast. <laughs> How is the Italian food in California? I've never asked my guests that question before. You know, I don't know because whatever I get is always altered because I'm, you know, I'm I'm that valley girl who's the, the gluten-free and the sugar-free and the me-free and the blah. So <laughs> I always have the, the, the change with it. So I don't know if I could really compare authenticity because it's already different because of my allergies. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> f- f- fair enough. Um, all right. Greatest baseball game or sporting event you've ever been to? Ooh. All right. Okay. So this is where the musical nerd comes in. The greatest, the greatest sporting event I've ever been to <laughs> was Billy Joel at Dodger Stadium. That's as close yeah. as I'm going to get to. <laughs> That's a great. Absolutely. People ask me my favorite time at Shea Stadium because I'm a Yankee fan, but where the Mets yeah. used to play at Shea Stadium is when Billy Joel did the last play at Shea. So I uh-huh. think Billy Joel and baseball yep. just synonymous. Mm-hmm. That must have been epic. 
Pink came in. She she wasn't she wasn't like announced to be part of the show. She came into New York State of Mind with him. Everyone was screaming. It was amazing. The two of them together was incredible. And then one of the um, one of the the backup singers did a, an aria and blew everybody away. It was it was a great show. Yeah. Are you sure you're not from Long Island, Darcy Rose? Because honestly, you have great <laughs> you have great taste with the Billy Joel call right there. My family's from Brooklyn, Brooklyn okay, and yes, Boston. Upstate That's New York, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you've got All some real New way. York ties. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Now you Sheep's are a California bay, girl. I'm sorry, go ahead. Sheep's head bay, baby. Oh, you know what you're t- that's where my dad's family was from. Okay. No, okay. Yeah, we're yeah, Italian. My you, you're Irish though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're I'm from all over the place because my mom's side too, but but on that side predominantly Irish. Okay. Yeah. That's Irish citizen, job. actually. Yeah. Oh, that is... Uh, yeah, yeah. Dual uh, my citizen. buddy did that recently, actually. He got the dual citizenship. Nice, but for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My grandpa uh, spends summers in Ackle Island. That's that's where that side of the family's from. You're yeah. a California girl at the end I of am. the day. So I have yes. to ask you this. Who's America's band? The Beach Boys or the Eagles? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I'm... I'm working with Stamos. So I'm going to have to say Beach Boys. That is a great answer. You know? I, mean, that, that, I, I, I was hoping that maybe his love of the Beach Boys rubbed off on you, you know, working with him. I mean, how can uh, you not love them, though? Like, they're they're brilliant. Both bands are incredible, you know. Yeah. It's it's just good good music. Anything that's good music is good with me. Skill set It's just so amazing. We've got summer <laughs> underway. What is yes. your go-to ice cream truck treat? Ooh, um, ice cream truck has never been really an option for me, but I will say you can never go wrong with vanilla, but I'm always the person that packs everything on top of it. Like I'll get, you know, four, especially if it's dairy free. Cause I'm, I try to stay away from sugar, but if, but if there's a big sign that says dairy free ice cream, I'm like, give me everything. So then I'll, I'll be the person with the, the cup of ice cream with like four different scoops of like matcha and honeycomb and like all the weird flavors and then like toppings up to my nose, uh, anything mochi. Um, yeah, yeah. It's extra. <laughs> it's probably the best flavor. <laughs> the best flavor of ice cream is extra. That's my answer. Final answer. Great answer. Thank you. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Aside from your Irish citizenship, fact about Darcy Rose Burns that would surprise people the most. Oh, okay. Um, I, let's see. I can't drive. I don't have my license. Have you ever tried? Have you like failed your road test? No, I I never got that far. I... You know, I got my permit when I was old enough to get my permit. I can't even remember what age that is now. Uh, like the moment I was, I turned that age, I, I got my permit. And then I passed. I started taking driving lessons. And then I went to RADA. And then I came back and I just never did the test. There was always something that got in the way. I was either, and I kept scheduling the test to renew the permit or to take the driving test. And then I would be booked to work the same day. And so that I'd have to cancel. And then it would, yeah. I wish I had a crystal ball. I would have renewed my permit so I could have been like practicing when there was no one on the streets during this last yeah. year. But yeah, I don't drive. I'm driven. <laughs> oh, so, how's that, that, how's that for a bougie extra? answer. Yeah. What a bougie answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Straight out of Karen from Will and Grace. Hey, I don't yell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> most embarrassing set moment. Most embarrassing set moment. I, okay. I think probably the most embarrassing set moment was I fell. I was, okay, so on Desperate Housewives, uh, my parents were having a fight, a bad fight. And then they turned to see me watching them and crying. And then I run up the stairs and I'm like, ah, we, we made the kid upset. Oh gosh. So, you know, it was on their coverage. So I, but I'm, I try to give the other actors everything, even if you're not on camera, cause it's just, it makes their job easier when they have to do their acting. It's so much easier to not be just looking at someone eating a burrito. It's, you know, give, give them the same amount you do on your close up is my, is my approach. So, you know, Doug and Flicker are going at it and they're, they're killing it and they're having this knockdown drag out fight. And I'm crying and I run up the stairs, except on one of these times that I do it. And again, I'm off camera, behind the camera entirely. I just hit the rug the wrong way and I slipped and I fell into like borderline splits, like a, a really good, just boom down. And, you know, all the crew members that were sitting at the table that were I was now facing, tried to get up to like, oh, are you okay? And I did this like, you know, okay, sports, you know, in sports, you're out or you're safe. That, that hand <laughs> motion, I did that yeah. thing. I was like, sit down. And I waited and I looked behind me because in my brain, I'm off camera. This is after they're done talking. So they can edit it out. They don't, it doesn't matter. Save the take you know, group on the soap, save the tape, save the take is the name of the game. So I, I turn around to look to see if, are we good? And I can see Doug pop down from under the camera to look at me and go, you good? <laughs> and I was, I was legit angry for a sec. Cause I was like, I was saving the take and they, how dare they care about me? I, yeah, it makes no sense, but I was like, <laughs> trying so hard to save the take and I'm like oh these people they're trying to see if I'm okay how I'm glad <laughs> so we can laugh okay. about it because clearly it wasn't like a devastating on the field or on the set oh, injury no, no, so no, thank no. god no. we can laugh about it no I mean again I you know I came from theater and my my mom you know her tap teacher was taught by Bojangles so I I know the tricks the tricks of the trade I know how to fall safely so like I was fine you know I scared people on big shot too because I had to fall 40 times for the end of 109 you know I take after take I would do the fall and I, we were on a platform so I, I'd hit the floor I'd go boom and they were like you okay and I'm like I'm fine I'm knee pads elbow pads I'm fine um yeah so there was there was literally no harm no foul like I was completely fine I just really wanted to save the take <laughs> wow yeah yeah. All right. Opposite that's side of the ball works. here. Okay. Yeah. Well, no. That, that's that's a, you know what you're you're a very seasoned performer. Obviously, mm. your experience spans many many years now. Yeah. But it's good to know that you know you can put that on your resume. You know, able to fall gracefully and just, <laughs> you're, you're great. You're a great physical performer. Like I said, I could see that. I could well, see you. that. You know, just watching you. That's why I thought you would suit. I think. Broadway suits you pretty well. So thank you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a competitive barman Latin dancer, so I definitely, you know, I, I like being physical, and I like, and as a comedian too, I, I really like messing with how you present yourself. You know, which it's it's just it's fun. I dance. I dance actually. When Sophia the first ended, I wrote a song called "Chasing the Picture," uh, which is of course an ADR term. And that was the last thing we did for Sophia the first was chase the picture for the last sequence. And it was this really long segment, very emotional. 
if you've seen the finale. And that was the last thing that we did. And then it was like, okay, go home. Goodbye, Amber. And I wrote that song after, you know, this six and a half year, you know, adventure. And then I recorded it and I danced to it um, around about the week of my birthday for a, a Latin competition here in LA. So fun fact. <laughs> yeah. And uh, all right. Only other sports question that you're going to probably okay. have to deal with for the rest oh, of 2021. But uh, I have oh. to know on the baseball front, team Derek <laughs> Jeter or team Alex Rodriguez? Yes. You could, you could pick <laughs> one of them if you want. <laughs> Final answer. Yes. <laughs> okay. Wow. That is the, fir the first time someone's answered that question that way. That's for sure. <laughs> Just trying to keep you on your toes. <laughs> okay. All right. So the answer to Team Jeter or Team A-Rod is yes. Okay. Yes. Well, they did mm -hmm. both play on the Yes Network. That was that was their that was there their main venue for performing sure. uh, yes. outside of Yankee Stadium. That's what that's yes. who would broadcast the games here in New York. Which so now of you know course, something. which of course I already knew. Which was the, already knew. the reason I, I uh, picked that answer. So. I know. I noticed the Yankee jersey next to the Wicked poster. I just <gasps> that from the videos. But. Oh my gosh! You're gonna make my family call me. Ah. Oh. <laughs> no. What are you trying to do to me? Get me kicked out of family Zoom? Come on now. My right. my aunt, my aunt is my my mom and my aunt, they're from Boston. So that whole side of the family is predominantly from from Boston, Mass Massachusetts, East Coast, and uh, Cambridge specifically for the people who know geography. And uh I was, you know, growing up with the Red Sox chant. That's that's my relationship with baseball okay. and i got a, a yankees bear in new york because it reminded me of new york and i went to freshen up before going out to eat and my aunt came down to visit and when i came out of the bathroom i looked around i was like where's the bear and she's like i don't know what you're talking about and she had stuffed it in the couch cushions after pretending to strangle it so yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, yes. I'm at a loss for it. So I, after hearing that, knowing what type of family you come from, yeah. I'm just happy that you didn't like respond to team Jeter or team era with like, I hate them both. Like you very, <laughs> very easily could have done that, but you didn't. All right. So. All right. Here, here's probably the only sports story that I have. And it's not even mine. It's my mom's, but she don't need to know that. I apparently, I of course was in New York in the eighties. So, uh, my mom was working at a restaurant and, uh, it was the game this is how little I know about sports, but it was the game where the, it was like the last play or whatever you call it. And the ball went through the guy's legs. And Bill it was Buckner, this, game six of the 86 world series Mets versus Red Sox. Yeah. You're good. That's the one. So everyone in the restaurant cleared out. They were, they were jumping on cars and hanging off of telephone poles and screaming and whooping and all that stuff. So my mom is the only one left in the bar working because everyone else left. So the phone rings, she picks it up, left bank restaurant, and she hears a voice go, you suck. She's like, Nancy, it was her sister. So <laughs> this is like pre-cell phones. This, there was no way she would know that my mom was working the phones because that wasn't her job. She was the only one there. She just called the restaurant <laughs> to say that you suck because they lost. Oh my goodness. Your yeah. family sounds like a lot of fun. No wonder, no wonder you turned out to be so funny. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, now here's a, you know, let's we talked about most embarrassing moments mm. before, but yeah. uh, what's your proudest moment of your career? Because you've accomplished a lot, oh. and I'm really curious to hear the answer. Goodness, the proudest moment of my career. You know, I think there's a lot of little moments. I don't think that the proudest moment is behind me. I think there's 
you know, there are those little things that you pat yourself on the back for afterwards and say, you know, good job, you, that was a good job. And then there's those moments that are kind of milestones in your career. And of course, Big Shot is is one of those milestones of, you know, being a Disney songwriter and also having not been a paid songwriter before this and Disney kind of taking a shot on me. Ha, I took their shot. Uh, ha ha on me <laughs> and, and, you know, giving me that opportunity. And I think proudest moment, there was a, a lot of little things that I, I'll say from, from Big Shot, since that's where I'm in my brain now, of, you know, being in the recording studio with Eve Nelson, who produced the songs, um, and having her just kind of going to let the dog out and saying, this is the button, and let me know when you have the take, and kind of her trusting me and guiding me and, and really you know, when someone who's so good at their job puts the effort into mentor you and teach you, it, it feels really good. Um, I, okay. This is something that is incredible. So, um, like you said before, I was on the Young and the Restless and Bill Bell, who, who created the Young and the Restless, by the time I was coming in, he wasn't as around. He was still there, but, you know, he had Alzheimer's. So he would come to visit and stuff. And apparently I crawled up on his lap at one point, you know, but it, it was towards, you know, that portion of his life. So I was doing, I think it was Annie. I can't remember which show it was at this point because I did a lot of them back to back. I was probably five or six at the time. And this mother of one of the other kids brought her mom to see the granddaughter perform. Her mom had Alzheimer's. She had no facial recognition. She didn't really recognize her granddaughter, even really her daughter, I don't think. But it's like, you know, grandma can come see her perform. It'll be fun no matter what. So she was in a home and I come on stage to do whatever portion of the show it was I was in. I can't remember the show. And she says out loud to her daughter, that's Abby. She, that's Abby. She told Victor Newman that he's her father. They had put Young and the Restless on in the home on the monitors for her to watch, not really knowing if she was aware of it or not. But, you know, the soaps, they're every single day. They're people's stories. They're stories and people that they live with for, for decades, actually. And for maybe a half an hour, maybe an hour, they had their grandma back. She remembered her daughter and her and her granddaughter. And, you know, they were actually able to have a conversation and chat more than they had in, in, in years, you know, and it was fleeting, but it was, it was there. It was a moment. And I think it's a, it's a very, you know, obvious example of how how what we do can matter to people in such a strong way. Um, and, and, and the fact that, you know, Bill Bell had Alzheimer's as well. And that's something that he created was able to help someone else with that is, is gorgeous. So I think that's probably something I'll be proud of for a very, very long time. You have every reason to be, that's, uh, that's <laughs> quite a story. Um, yeah. and this is the one that we used to wrap every break about. Okay. What is the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? <laughs> uh, move your hands, don't hit the mic. Uh, <laughs> one <laughs> of them. And our audio engineer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you know, honestly, yeah, talk with your hands down, hit the mic is, is the one I always say. But the, the one that I always remember, and it's so it's so small, but um, Jeannie Cooper on Desperate Housewives told me never to wear shoes that I'm uncomfortable in, you know, because you're going to be in them for such a long time. Um, and that's something that probably stuck with me just because she made a very big deal of it on set because I had outgrown my shoes because I was a kid who constantly had growth spurts. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, and I think maybe that theater and performing doesn't just have to be a career. You know, if you're someone who really enjoys doing theater, but you don't see it as a viable option for you as a career, that doesn't mean you just have to stop. There's community theater, there's, you know, improv classes. There are ways to still perform, not as your main monetary, you know, income. Um, and I, I think that's something that, I think people think it's all or nothing. It doesn't have to be. You know, if it, if it makes you happy, do it. Yeah. Great stuff, Darcy Rose. Honestly, I I so enjoyed getting to chat with you tonight. Thank you. Know, you. Thank you for you, all these great stories and, and bits of wisdom <laughs> that you gave our audience. It, it's really going to serve them well. Oh, goodness. Thank you. I appreciate that. I talk a lot, so it's good to know some of them are are hitting a home run. Are yes, they... yes, you, you got it. Ah, yeah. Okay, yeah. They yeah, really yeah. call it a home run. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Score. No, wrong one. Never mind. Touchdown. Ah, never mind. <laughs> 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 oh, this was absolutely epic. And for all the folks at home who may want to connect with you on social media, where's the best place for them to find you? Uh, probably Instagram. I'm at Darcy Rose Burns on Instagram. B-Y-R-N-E-S for Burns because why be easy when you can be difficult? Uh, that's that spelling right there. And uh, same for Twitter. That's my Twitter as well. And I think my Facebook is DeRose.Start or something like that because that's a little motto um, I have for myself. Uh, that's good advice. Yeah, whatever you want to do, just start doing it. Don't worry about if you're going to be able to finish it. To reach for the stars, try with all of your heart. But before you can reach them, you just have to start. Wrote that poem when I was probably 13. So that's a start for you. Yeah, and then YouTube is, I think, just Darcy Rose Burns as well. So That's good. For the most part, you keep it pretty simple with the name. So, all right, everyone, just go I and follow Darcy Rose Burns. Yeah, on all of the uh, social media platforms. Uh, thank you so much again. This was a great time. Thank you so much for having me, Al. It's been, it's been a pleasure. And to all the folks at home who listen tonight, thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Break a Bat. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. This is Al Malafronte signing off from the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.